You're listening to Intellectual Erection, a place where we talk about the naughty. Oh, to stimulate your thinking. You're listening. You're listening to Intellectual Erection. Intellectual, intellectual, intellectual Erection. Welcome back to another episode of Intellectual Erection with your host, Patrick. Today, I'm speaking with the mysterious Ms. Vivi Vex. I fear talking about, like... Um, the stigma of being like a disabled person who wants to be a slut because like I love sex and I love feeling good and orgasms are great and I love having multiple partners and I love group sex and I love being kinky and weird and trying new things. This episode doesn't follow your typical script because we're talking with somebody who has invisible disabilities and that provides sometimes issues of communication. So struggling with these issues of communication while attempting to communicate about these issues of communication will require some patience. And this is exactly what Ms. Vivi Vex asks of us. So this would be a good exercise in listening for our listeners today. And I hope you really learn something about what it's like navigating sex positivity and sex work as a person with invisible disabilities. Before we get on to the episode today, I just want to say thank you again to all the people that have been supporting the podcast and provided reviews, have shared the episodes through their social media, have promoted it otherwise through word of mouth, and to the people that have actually donated to the show financially as well on Patreon and at the events that we set up through Oasis to sell the panties. Thank you again, and I look forward to your continuing support. If you do want to support the podcast, please go to patreon.com slash intellectual erection. Otherwise, as always, listen, like, review, and most of all, enjoy. I'm sitting here today with Miss Vivi Vex. Ooh, Miss <laughs> Vivi Vex. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners kind of what you do, what you're about? Oh boy, it's a loaded question always because it's a question I get all the time. But I'm a multi tool. I like to do multiple things to multiple people. I love to love big and play hard. Um, I I like that (laughs) Swiss army human over here. Here we go. All right. Um, So I've always been an artist. I've always been um, inclined to clothing, first and foremost. I've always been into, like, dressing well, making things, drawing fashion illustrations and the like. So um, I kind of had my start um, in... Uh, like with illustration as a kid and then when I got a little bit older I wanted to do more fashion stuff Um, so when I got to high school um, my life changed pretty much for the better Hmm. Um, because even though I was an artist um, growing up like my parents Um, had a lot of difficulty trying to raise me appropriately because I was also a kid with a lot of disabilities. So Mm. um, I was seen as kind of like the black sheep both at school and in my family because um, like my only real way of communicating was through my art forms. So 
um, I was always like really good at illustration and like pottery and like putting little pieces together and making collages and stuff like that. And um, when I got to high school, I kind of like blossomed into a new person because um, when I was a kid, like I was very nonverbal and I was very much like in my head a lot. Um, and I met, I started to meet the right people who really started to bring me out of my shell. And also those people kind of started to teach me of this new world called being sexual. And I was Ooh. like, okay, um, like I have no idea. Like I only had, I, at, the, at 14, I had only had one crush on one person who was like, who I would consider like a really hard hitting crush for me. Um, I was like a really sensitive person. So I didn't really like let myself um, like have crushes on a lot of people. So um, also a lot of people just didn't really like me as a kid. So um, it was hard to kind of like form crushes on people who were always like bullying me or something for right, who I was. Right. So um, finally when I went when I moved to Toronto um, and like started going to high school, um, that's when I started kind of like coming into my own. So um, there's, a, there's a lot there. And, and yeah. um, <laughs> from what I heard and what you're saying, which also applies to kind of what you're doing now based on your Instagram, mm -hmm. is you do talk a lot about mental health. Yeah. So you dedicate a good portion of that communicating about mental health and uh, the other portion dedicated to your art and fashion mm -hmm. that you're still interested in since mm -hmm. you were a kid. So now how then do you fit in the sex positive communities? You said you had a sort of like an introduction in high school. Yeah. And now you're, where are you at there? So like, honestly, my awakening has really happened over the past five years. It was like sparking in high school because I was surrounded finally by other people who I could finally connect to. And um, I was able to feel like comfortable for the first time like with making friends so um they helped me kind of like i don't know just feel more at ease with mm -hmm. i guess talking about it and being around it because it wasn't really me who was like um being the sexual one it was mostly just my friends who were being like on their own shit just being like silly goofy hooking up with whoever they wanted going to parties and like I um, was still very introverted, so like I was mostly hanging out with them at high school and learning like a lot of things about like what life was like, about being a sexual person, like at high school with them, just like sitting and talking about stuff, um, and I don't know, just kind of like getting exposed to it. I was also like still not really um like socially apt yet to um really start to like talk about it full time and like really understand it because it was so new and so jarring to me mm -hmm. um so so are you, are you saying that before high school you hadn't had sort of any sexual experiences no 
So yeah. You, yeah, that was just not part of your life. Pretty much. What about sexual experiences with yourself? Because you, the way you phrased it, I believe, was that your like sexuality kind of blossomed in high school. Yeah. But was there some? Was there any of it within you that you just didn't let other people see because of the circumstances that that you had? Um. Or did you not realize it until high school at all? It's difficult because like. I don't really know like when like I really started to let myself um, feel my own sexuality explicitly I just know that it was like starting to cook like in high school I remember like getting my period for the first time and that was kind of like oh okay so like now I'll be able to have babies now I'll be able to like have sex you like I I would I would be able to reproduce but like I I wasn't tapped in to myself. So like from 12 when I got my first period up until like 18, I was kind of like on a path, but I was still very kind of like resistant um, to really taking it in because it was again, just like so new, so jarring. And um, I, yeah, wasn't like fully ready to embrace it yet. So. Mm-hmm like five years ago I um I started like really trying to like get out and meet new people because I just graduated high school and like I didn't really have like a solid friend group outside of um high school when I graduated so I had started at Ryerson for fashion design I'd gotten in and I was like pretty happy about going Um, but I have always struggled academically, so it was something that I was both excited and really scared about. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was also in a relationship that like wasn't super positive. Um, and it was actually the relationship that got me into like the entire sex positive scene, um, because it started about five years ago. Um, when I started at Ryerson yeah tell me a bit about that um so I was in a relationship with um somebody who was older than me at the time um and that it was like my very 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 first relationship that I ever had um and it was like something that I kind of just fell into because I didn't really know any better Um, And I didn't really have any set boundaries for myself. Um, So, um, like, me having autism and, like, not really picking up on social cues well, I tend to have difficulty, like, really figuring out when somebody is, like, legitimately being nice to me or if they're, like just being polite saying, yeah being yeah. polite yeah. or um i miss on a lot of social cues so like with um this person who i was like who i'd just met like to me when um we were having our conversation um he was like saying things that you know after the fact now would be considered like grooming things like Ooh. um like definite red flags like saying that i was like um uh 
What's the, what's the main thing? I'm, I'm losing my marble here. Um, it's okay. Take your time. Um, bah. I blank all the time, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally fine. We can come back to that, actually. Yeah. So it sounds to me like this first relationship of yours wasn't really that great. Yeah. And I see that you have difficulty, you know, kind of talking about it because it's probably... Yeah, there's a lot of memories that are yeah. blocked out. Um, I tend to not get emotional about it anymore, too, because of blocked out memories. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, like that relationship... Um, like I was 19 and he was 31 and like I it was it was a classic tale of like I fell into something where I didn't really know what I was getting into mm -hmm. and then it turned into something that um was just a grooming relationship where he was trying to make me like basically his project um and like pretty much everything that he wanted um in a person so um with uh like our our sex life and our sexuality it was non-existent it was mostly like him begging for for sex all the time for me um mm -hmm. and me not understanding why i didn't want to give it to him because i wasn't in tune with like why it was wrong for him to be begging why like I didn't want to do it. Um, I didn't know that, like, it was, I don't know. It was like a really confusing and conflicting relationship because like, mm -hmm. I honestly didn't know up until like this year that I am on the spectrum. Um, both of my parents are anti-vaxxers Oh, no. and they deny that I have autism. Um, there's a lot of things over the past couple of years that I've like really come to terms with because like with this relationship and then with my parents um, and my sexuality, it's been like a ride to like really get a grip on my sexuality because I am considered like a disabled person. Mm -hmm. I am, I'm completely invisibly disabled um, and like a lot of disabled folks don't really know how to claim their own sexuality and like it's something that um like gets kind of gray area a lot it gets kind of like we don't really talk about it a lot of like mm -hmm. people we we I, I don't know i fear talking about like um, the stigma of being like a disabled person who wants to be a slut because like I love sex and I love feeling good and orgasms are great and I love having multiple partners and I love group sex and I love being kinky and weird and trying new things but like sometimes when I say that I am autistic especially when I say I'm not officially diagnosed Mm -hmm. um, and that I say that I have like anti-vaxxer parents and that like I have all these things I get very like taken aback reactions right um, so so people kind of don't want to engage with you maybe if if you're f fully open and honest about your needs and who you are yeah and do you feel that that, that kind of makes you miss out on some of the aspects of sex positivity or has the community uh, at all 
has aspects of the community been welcoming or refreshing compared to your previous relationships or interactions or attempts? I think like... Um, Sorry, I know that's like 40 questions in one. <laughs> no, I threw a ton of information at you. Um, like... So to simplify, what are the what are what have been the the sort of good and and bad experiences within sex positivity for you mm-hmm. uh, as a person with invisible disabilities? Mm-hmm. Um, well, Oasis has honestly been one of the best places for me to explore my sexuality because of its inclusion policy. Like since. Since basically I was legal, I've been going there. <laughs> and like since I've been living with my parents um, on and off for like, well, I moved with them to Toronto, but I've been living on and off with them for like the past couple of years. Um, yeah. It's been hard to have like my own sex life at home. Mm-hmm. They don't let me bring any people over. I'm not, we're not allowed to have any people over. Um, it's fucking ridiculous and really, really isolating because like, I've only had one person fuck me in my bed before (laughs) and I hate it because of course I'm a pillow princess and I want people to just fucking like come fuck me in my own bed I don't want to leave fuck that shit but I always have to (laughs) so like I am always having to go and find places to like have other people host and Oasis was like one of the only places where I could go and feel like I could actually just not be not not feel like I'm being forced to be out where mm-hmm. I could feel comfortable like in an environment where other people are there to have a good time they're not just there for the sake of going to find a space like at least or at least not all of them are right 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 um and it's it like the way that um it's helped me find my own sexuality like just by having that inclusion policy has honestly been so substantial in like me becoming like a really sex positive person because I have been going there for years now and like it's I owe it to to Oasis honestly for my sexuality and like discovering it because if I didn't have Oasis I wouldn't be able to discover it the way I did especially mm-hmm. like having access to a fucking dungeon, having access to spaces um, and like being able to talk to other like-minded folks about like sex positivity um, and getting the whole experience. I think like, yeah, um, if I had only just tried to like navigate my own sexuality without it it would have been like a much much more difficult experience and i wouldn't be like this positive about sex for sure (laughs) right so what i'm i'm hearing you say that uh that oasis has provided like really good positive space for you to be able to understand yourself Mm -hmm. and your relations with other people and to build relationships of you know sexual or non-sexual nature whatever it is mm-hmm. and for you to explore your sexuality mm-hmm. whereas i uh in the past by comparison people are not able to provide you that same sort of space and may take advantage of you because of your disabilities and sometimes you are confused about whether that's happening or not because of the the inability to pick up on certain social cues yeah okay yeah and at oasis um also 
like because there are so many rules of like the ask once policy and like no means no and how they're always reinforcing those to the patrons who go there um it puts me at ease to not have to worry about oh like if someone is going to try and fuck with me and Mm -hmm. like my capabilities of like knowing um like if I can, if I'm able to trust like somebody who I want to like randomly have sex with or like um, whatever, I can trust that like they were told the rules. Right. And if they're not following them, then I can go and find someone. And if I like feel um, like I'm like I'm being threatened, um, and go and see like what's going grab, grab someone and see what's going on. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's good. So this is a this is a good opportunity for me to ask, and probably for the listeners who mm-hmm. have maybe not interacted with somebody who's on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. What is a good way to communicate with people when when engaging with people that might be on the spectrum of autism? Well, um, or do's and don'ts maybe. Yeah, that might be easier. Well, I'll I'll start by saying first because I want to say like I don't speak for all people who are on the spectrum. It's it's like a varying yeah. Yeah. it's a varying um, like disorder slash disability different ability mm-hmm. thing. However you want to say it. Um, so what I like to say is like everybody's case is different, mm-hmm. and um, I think one of the most important things to um think of when you're trying to like interact with somebody who's on the spectrum is just like try and like take a step back um leave your like boatloads of empathy for disabled people at the door (laughs) just treat us like um we're not any different however like we just need a little more patience Mm -hmm. because especially for me like i can't like I can't catch up with a lot of conversation and I tune out of conversations when like I get overstimulated or when I like can't um like I just can't listen anymore it just kind of like turns into white noise um so like when I like go into like a headspace where I'm feeling overwhelmed like I don't really know how to communicate and then sometimes I get nonverbal um mm-hmm. and like it's something that's really hard to pick up on in different people like uh like n- nonverbal um becoming nonverbal is really difficult because like it's really different for everyone and a lot of people who have autism do go nonverbal it's not um it's not everyone's characteristic like not everyone who has autism ha- does it but um it's something yeah i don't know um well that's fair i I mean i wonder if it's helpful for for people to to think in this way because as i'm sitting here think uh, talking to you you know i can imagine some people are feel weird Mm -hmm. uh, about communicating with anybody with disabilities Mm -hmm. whether it's visible or not Mm -hmm. and uh that might make them you know retract yeah right yeah but to me it seems as though disabilities are something that people experience anyway like any person experiences it and then some people experience it to to a certain extreme right yeah, so it's sim- it, the symptomology is just things that we we all experience yeah. and then for some people it just gets a little stronger a little yeah. more overwhelming yeah so 
anybody knows what it's like to feel overwhelmed yeah right anybody knows what it's like to feel stressed out and incapable of communicating because there's too much going on yeah too much anxiety too much depression too much of this and that yeah so I, don't, I wonder if that's a helpful way to connect with people so that there doesn't seem to be such a big difference yeah. between us yeah. when we're just talking about experiencing the same things at different levels. Yeah. Like, I think the word, like, you know, um, like, when, like, growing up with my parents, um, they were always like very iffy or like on the fence about ever getting me diagnoses because they're like oh is this really gonna be like helping my child to like get these diagnoses for these things um so like especially with autism like I haven't really gone and asked like if like why they didn't but um it's it's hard to um for for people who may not have these disabilities really come to terms with the fact that like it's not a bad thing when somebody gets a diagnosis Mm -hmm. it's not a death sentence it's not like a curse it's not something that should be should that you should pity the person about um that's why i said like check out all of your empathy when talking to like disabled folks um or like the same amount of empathy that you'd have to like somebody who has a nice dog walking around across the street and you're wanting to say hi to them because they look friendly like Mm -hmm. it's the same thing um just we shouldn't have to be treated differently than anyone else um we just like want to Um, have patience given to us Mm. we want people to shut up and (laughs) listen to our stories because they are legit we have gone through our experiences and while our like non-neurotypical brains may not remember some things or may fuck around with some of our memories we are still like very very valid in our stories so Um, when approaching somebody with a disability um, and you're feeling weird because you don't know how to approach that person with a disability, just stop feeling weird. Stop feeling weird for yourself. Like, shut up and just listen to the person. It's, it's... um, (laughs) Yeah, is it fair to ask questions at that point instead of making assumptions? Like, like, I think, um, yeah, questions. (laughs) Like, asking with, like, a very open mind and a non-judgmental tone like come from it like you're learning something at school for the very first time and you are wanting to absorb that fucking information because you're vested in it and like i don't know um like for a lot of folks um i've been getting a lot of like um backlash whenever I talk about oh you know like give like disabled folks the time of day always be there for them like like you would like be there for your own brother or your own sister um always give them space when they ask for it um and this that and the other thing but a lot of like able people will um retaliate by saying oh, like, it's not up to me to always, like, know what to do in the situation. Um, 
But that's why you're there to ask and learn. Yeah. Right? It's... It's, it's like with anything. It's... It, it, yeah. It's not that... I don't think it's that difficult of a concept. So if you feel a little weird, you can just ask a question to yeah. dispel that weirdness rather than walking away from the situation, yeah. ignoring the person, or in the worst case scenario, pretending like they don't have specific needs and that you, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Be like everyone, disabled or not, have specific needs. Mm-hmm. So um, you can't patronize like disabled folks for having something maybe a little more niche than the next person or a little more difficult to accommodate quote unquote difficult to accommodate than the next person um but yeah i don't like i i've been like abled and then i've been disabled my body has been mostly abled for most of my life Mm -hmm. um but Like, I was a skater as a kid, um, and I was also in a couple of car accidents, so I've done damage to, like, both my knees and my back and everything. Um, And I have a certain amount of, like, understanding to, like, certain folks who do retaliate and say, like, you know, it's not up to me, bitch, 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 complain, 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 like, making excuses about not wanting to put in the effort to really understand and and accommodate disabled folks in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, But really, it's up to them to put in the effort because we can and will always be advocating for ourselves and wanting to educate the public Mm -hmm. about wanting, like, to um, take all the stigma away. Yeah, and have have maybe some equity. Yeah. You know? And people have to realize that it's a two-way street. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely fair. Yeah. So then uh, you were saying that with all this going on, you managed to explore your sexuality and Mm -hmm. discover some parts of your identity in in safe places like Oasis. Mm Mm-hmm. So I wonder, as part of uh, as a person in the sex positive communities now, what aspects of like kink, BDSM, polyamory, uh, sluthood, any of it have become part of your identities, and how has that kind of changed you? Um, well, I have a lot of friends now who like are other sex workers and who are like involved and always wanting to be immersed in this community and I've been kind of like having to stay on the sidelines for like the past while um just because I've been like back in like my mental health issues and they're bad and living at home again and whatnot so um like I've been trying to make sure I've been staying immersed in it so that um, I can still feel those gains that I've made mm-hmm. um, and like right now like I have this year started escorting and doing uh, porn and have been trying to do camming and like selling stuff on the internet and all that good jazz but like it's been really 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 difficult to get my start um it's like 
2019 oh my god it's been maniacal <laughs> yeah no it's, like the the self oh. self-marketing is 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 a very arduous distressing depressing yeah. anxious anxiety inducing process yeah so it, it feels like it only adds to like your level of of strain right when pretty much <laughs> when having to to literally sell yourself yeah on so many platforms constantly engage with with your audience grow your audience yeah. uh and then measure your responses and and all of this stuff like i do it for the podcast and this is a hobby but to do it as a line of work where you where you want to have genuine growth and probably an income mm-hmm. must be that much more difficult especially if if you already have all these other issues that you need to deal with in uh in your headspace yeah yeah um there's a lot on my plate right now and like I'm hoping like when I listen to this in like a year or something that I'll look back and be like oh man those were hard times (laughs) and I'll be in a better place where I'm actually making more of an income Um, because definitely like that's my plan is to use home money to take over the world Um, and (laughs) oh I have a pin on I mean, it's, you can't actually see it in the podcast on, on audio, but... I could, I could describe it. My pin says, Secret Plans for World Domination. It's a little enamel pin with a black book. Um, nice. And on the front, it says, uh, Plans for World Domination. Um, I'm, I'm imagining <laughs> Pinky in the brain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm... Except much sluttier. Yeah. And more fun. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. Okay, I'm, so, I'm so t- right tell now. me about uh, <laughs> tell me about sex work. So you've uh, you said you've you've tried escorting. Yeah. And how's that been? I mean, I know the the were you were you around when the back pages thing was was up? Yeah. And then yeah. it got taken down and kind of oh, fu- fucked your jam. God, like mm-hmm. okay, let me tell you, like life has been so much more expensive and so much harder since back pages left. Like, there's no free platforms right now yeah. to post up free ads. Um, Leo List is the only one that you can post up on, and, and the cheapest option is like $25. $25 per post? Um, yeah, pretty much. Okay. You pretty much just like make the post, um, like you put your pictures up, put your description, phone mm-hmm. number, whatever information else you want to add in. Um, and then, like, I'm fairly sure it's there for a week if you just get like the very bare basic like no bumps no like boosts no fancy ads whatever um and yeah it's brutal but like yeah it's um like escorting like i i started back in january Mm -hmm. um and i got into escorting uh because my partner at the time um, had previously uh, been into like sh- being a sugar baby and being on um, seeking arrangements for a couple of years and so I'd seen them like uh, go through what it was like to be in the sex industry um, and what it was like to be a sugar baby and her experience was like pretty like standard for a sugar baby in that like mm-hmm she had a pretty crap time and like (laughs) it was really hard and oh my god seeking arrangements is like one of the this one of the hardest places to go and hustle and and it's it's (laughs) fucked now because there's a lot of scammers on both ends 
Uh, Absolutely. Somebody I know recently <laughs> got got scammed out of money by a yeah. a fake sugar daddy, right? <sighs> yeah. Asking to uh, to deposit money in a Bitcoin machine for him, and then they get a cut, mm, uh, but then the check bounced, and it turned out to be you know this person's own money so yeah yeah it's 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 fucked so be careful out there you know sugar yeah. daddies and sugar babies alike try to try to verify your sources before engaging in those activities because when finances come in that's where scammers lurk oh it's um like i was with an agency um when i was doing escorting i was with them for um like a month mm-hmm. i think um, and like I, w- I started escorting because I was really desperate to move out of my house, <laughs> um, and still am because as you can, as you can understand, like I tried to move out, um, once I made my money, but, um, I had to move back out because I got wrongfully evicted. Um, but I'll, I'll put that as, as a mark point for, as a part of the story, cause mm-hmm. I have a part before for that part of the story okay um like escorting was like a means of me making money i made like first and last um in a week which was wonderful um and i was super freaking proud of myself for doing that even though i was like haha i know i'm cute i know i'm I'm just like new to this game that's why i made it but um i don't really like (sighs) Like that, the experience of working at the agency was like really good in that, like I I really needed someone else to organize all of my like uh, bookings for me and do the screening process and um, like have a space for me to work out of. But um, like agencies are, well, that one was a little difficult for me because like there was just some stuff that I wasn't ready to um, like agree with as a whole, as a person who was working for that agency. Um, Cause some things that like were being said about some of the people I was getting iffy about, um, like some of the um, agency owners um, and it kind of freaked me out. So it was an awkward experience. <laughs> Yeah. To say the least. Um, what was your so, What was your experience like with clients? The clients like was okay. Like I was um, for a first timer. Honestly, I was like kind of nervous, but like I knew what I was getting into, so like I wasn't really that all that nervous. Um, I have the I had the privilege of kind of like mentally preparing myself for escorting before I actually got into it, which I realized. Um, so like also as a precursor, like I realized that like, um, when I say that I felt ready to get into it, that that's like a fucking privilege. So, (laughs) um, like right now, if I were to like go back at it tomorrow, Mm -hmm. um, I would not be ready to like mentally prepared to get back into it. I haven't done like escorting like full service in a few months because I haven't been mentally capable to like be 
that sort of person like ready to like well did you did you create a, a different identity for yourself as your escorting persona as some yeah. people do sometimes yeah okay. like um most of the work that i've been doing over the past few months has been like online um where i've been doing like porn and like um posting pictures and like self-produced stuff on like many vids or mm -hmm. um things like that it's been really slow because it's been a lot of like really like it's been really mentally taxing to do all of it um mm -hmm. but um yeah it's like as my depression has kind of like gone in and out of intensity over the past few months I've been having to just like find um like other other forms of stuff like I would love to stick with escorting because it honestly was something I really liked um, and really didn't mind doing, but um, it took like a lot of mental capability to do that. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I'm, it's more manageable online because um, it's mostly just like non face to face interaction. Well, so, did you did you feel with escorting that you had to hide your in sort of invisible disabilities from your clients or oh, yeah. Did, yeah? Well, it's yeah. Like I'm, I, that's what I'm wondering when you're saying, you know, preparation and stuff and yeah. I wonder how difficult that is. It's like um you have to really pick and choose about what you want to say mm -hmm. um to like, you know, keep the vibes going. Um, if you're like wanting to be like deeply conversational or something, because um, like I'm definitely an open book and I don't like to hide things about myself. Um, but like for the sake of work, you obviously have to like know when to not say something. <laughs> mm -hmm. So like I, because I have boundary issues, have had to go through a bit of a trial and error process of what to say and what not to say. Um, cause I, that's another thing with autism, um, with me is like, I don't have a very good sense of when to shut it off or when to like not say that thing. So, um, I've had to really like work on that. Um, and like, I've had to be very, very cognizant of, um, like what to say, what not to say. Um, but I also like come from a theater background and I know how to like perform too. Mm -hmm. So um, while it's been difficult, there's a certain like muscle memory I have in terms of like the kind of presentation I like to have, um, which is not so much like, like who I am personally outside of being Vivi. It's like, I know this persona, it's like a big bubbly persona and like Vivi doesn't really talk about um, like, like the really heavy hard-hitting emotional shit often mm -hmm. like like just enough of it to really like um to make people aware but not yeah have to have a deep discussion about it pretty much like and yeah. like save it for the dms pretty much like i would <laughs> just want to talk about it one-on-one -on -one with people because um yeah like and not to clients because unless they're really like caring and i develop a rapport with them and they become like you know regulars and whatever um off the bat no it, it's it's a hard thing um and something that's like really difficult to kind of like navigate around because like you know it's transactional yeah. and you 
are mostly there just to get money and you're mostly there um, just to have the interaction happen in an hour and not have a lot of drama happen in between. Um, so that's where I, I've kind of learned how to check myself. Um, like where I've let myself kind of like, okay, like this is for work. Um, and then this is like who you are. Like you don't have to talk about all of your stuff to your clients for the sake of your own comfort and your own like sanity. Um, and they don't have to know everything. Like it's, it's yeah. That's fair. Especially if they're not asking like super deep questions too. Um, yeah. It's so in that uh, in that transactional exchange, do you actually find yourself enjoying some of the sexual experiences? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Good. Like I, um, for me, like so far with escorting, I really haven't wanted to have any pity from people because I'm like I'm having a great time. I'm fine with like doing this right now, and like I was mentally ready to get into it when I got into it, and. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it back, really. I made the money I made, and yes, the kind of, like, the agency was kind of like, eh, but, um, I got, like, a couple, like, regular clients from it, so, like, they, they've been asking me, like, if I could book, and I'm like, I can't right now, because I'm just, like, not escorting, but, like, they have gone and, like, followed me on my online profile stuff, so... It's, um, yeah, like the people I met through the agency was, were like, we're fine. There weren't well, so really many So now you can turn them now into <laughs> clients for your, for your other sex work, for well, your, yeah. your porn, your many vids. Yeah. So what, uh, what kind of porn do you make? Um, right now it's kind of ambiguous. I'm just getting my start. Like mm -hmm. I've mostly just been doing like, <sighs> taking pictures uh like whenever i feel like not depressed um making little videos when i'm not feeling depressed and posting them and they're mostly just like little self-masturbation videos and like being cute in bunny ears or in little things i don't know it's i don't really have a theme yet <laughs> mm -hmm. but yeah it's um discovering it yeah it's <laughs> mostly just discovery period right now <laughs> yeah and did you say you, you tried uh, cam modeling or you want to? Yeah, like, um, I've been trying to cam, like, my internet connection isn't so good at home. So I have, I tried to do a couple cam shows, like, um, last week. Um, and then I was getting, like, comments from people in my streams saying that the video was cutting out. So then I had to find another space to use um, that had a better internet. Um, so I had one of my lovely friends help me out um, and I'm using her space now to start camming. Um, and I had my first session today at her place, which was like, it was short cause we got there around like five. Mm -hmm. So um, I only had about an hour and then I had to come here. Oh. But, um, yeah, I, I tried to do like a little stream today and it was pretty slow, but like, as with all hustles, you got to fucking work at it. <laughs> are, you, are you on one of the two big sites, Chatterbait or My Free, My Free Cams? Cams? Yeah. I'm going to be going on to those ones. Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be going on to those ones. But right now I'm just like, 
I'm just testing the waters with many vids just because it's kind of like it's a really fun profile to use. Oh, did, and they, did they open up a chat service? Yeah, they did. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, I, th I thought I yeah. heard about this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They have like chat packages that you can um, like formulate. They ha like they have a whole bunch of really cool like features that are really good for like models who are starting up because mm -hmm. um, they're super about. Um, like wanting to help out new models get their start mm -hmm. so they're always like oh like do this kind of promo and like submit to this contest and like you know um make sure you post to twitter and like here's this function to do your taxes and like there's there's all these cool things um, that makes it super easy and like and what, what's the what's the cut now that they take <sighs> um it was, it was a pretty hefty percent on many vids from what yeah, I remember yeah many vids I think was 30 30 percent yeah i mm -hmm. think it was 30 okay. if not 40 um, I, th I thought i heard 40 or yeah. 60 so i couldn't remember which one 60 sounds a little absurd so no no 60 40. was like yeah usually like the bigger ones are what you take so yeah yeah well i would hope so because yeah it's your, it's, your, <laughs> it's your labor yeah yeah right. absolutely yeah. so um yeah i don't know i'm just looking at different profiles right now it's mostly just like in the starting phases um and uh, I'm not getting any new relationship energy from any of these like like new profiles. They're all just like really exhausting to like try and learn because I'm not a social media nerd at all. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> your your Instagram looks pretty good. We're trying. Yeah. We're trying. <laughs> um, I'm mostly just doing stories right now because I. I get weird amounts of anxiety over nothing and I get really high amounts of anxiety about making posts but not making stories. So I'm like a story hoe right now and not like an actual picture hoe but like I'm trying to make like a steadier stream of pictures come out. Have um, you have you tried working with uh, with some of the Toronto erotic photographers or oh, yeah. regular oh, yeah. photographers? Yeah, has I've that, just been has that like been okay. Good experiences. Yeah. Yeah, I've been booking, um, okay. and I've been doing a lot of, like, flopping on bookings because I've been just so tired <laughs> um, mm. trying to juggle around so much stuff. But um, definitely, like, right now, as June approaches, I'm like, okay, come on, let's let's do some things. The nice weather's out. We can do, like, outdoor nudie shoots and, like, high park yeah, things and going by the stuff. lake and all that stuff. So... Um, yeah, there's going to be a whole bunch of exhibitionist shit this summer. I'm so excited because <laughs> um, this is this is what I live for. Like every summer is just rocking out on fucking handlins and like just oh, yeah. always naked like all summer. <laughs> yep. And it's necessary. I think we're finally here with the summer. <laughs> so I, I mean, the last thing I want to ask you before mm -hmm. we wrap up mm -hmm. is what the future holds in store for you. So where do you want to go and what do you mean by taking over the world and how do you want to do it? We're ending on a heavy note here. Okay. So oh, I thought that was a light <laughs> note. I'm like, you know, future things, move out of the um, parents place, uh, you know, get some work uh, in whatever field you're interested in, in your fashion and in your, in your sex work. I don't know. I'm at a crossroads right now. So mm. like in my life, um, whenever I talk to somebody, I'm just like, I'm doing 400 things with my life right now. And I don't know how to talk about one or really know what I want to do in six months, but mm. I'm going to be doing all these things still in six months. So I'll tell you about every single thing and then whatever. Um, 
If you could pick, <laughs> if you could pick one thing though that you'd yeah. want to do long term that would kind of be satisfying and would would enable you financial stability, mm-hmm. what would that be? My two year plan so far um, is uh, either well. I want to stay in Toronto to make as much money as I can doing um, sex work, like between getting back into escorting, camming, and um, selling stuff online. I want to use that money to then um, either move to Montreal, because I love Montreal, mm-hmm. or move out to Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Um, and start my career over there um integrating my knowledge that i've gained in the sex positive community and starting my own fashion line i want to use home money to like basically start up my own brand become like i really want to become like an activist in like um like fashion um and like gender fuckery and disability um and kind of like becoming my own icon um in my within my own brand like kind of being my own person as well as having my own brand um reflecting kind of like who I am as a person um and I really just want to be kind of like um, a role model, an influential person, like somebody who um, people can look up to um, and like I want to like do cool shit. <laughs> yeah. No, that sounds that sounds amazing. It sounds like you want to take the different aspects of your intersecting identity yeah, and, and pour it out into meaningful work. Yeah. So fashion, sex work, mental health advocacy. Yeah. That does sound like a like a great goal and part of that growth might be hopefully people hearing you right now. People mm-hmm. who either experience similar things to you or people who have no experience with anything similar to you mm-hmm. getting a better understanding. So this this is part of what this podcast is meant to do is to to you know, to provide some visibility for folks in the sex positive communities and I'm really glad that I got to talk to you especially about the mental health stuff because I haven't had the opportunity to have anybody on the show who yet who has had uh, visible or invisible disabilities and I I say that while I furrow my brow because that might not be the case there might have been invisible disabilities that I didn't know about or that weren't explicitly discussed yeah but I definitely I would love to have you on the show again because I feel like um, I feel like I I would I would really benefit from from hearing more Mm -hmm. about your experiences and the things that you do so I feel like we, we scratched the surface we got a lot of like cool information from you I definitely really have a lot more stuff. to talk about yeah <laughs> so we gotta yeah. we gotta have another episode so Ms. Vivi yes. what was the the full the full name Ms. well the full name is Ms. Vera Vexavia Ooh. but you can just call me Miss Vivi Vex. Miss Miss Vivi Vex. Yes. It's been wonderful having you on the show. Thank, <laughs> Thank you for you. coming. Thank you. <laughs> you are listening to Intellectual Erection, a place where we talk about the naughty to stimulate your thinking.